work with the things you care about. Be attentive to what you don't know or understand. Approach the world with curiosity. Be generous. Understand your entanglement in the universe. Give your energy. Spend more time listening. Grow. And the world grows. Hello, this is the Yaya Ya Nene podcast, where we're listening to highlights from our radio archive and we're presenting new artist contributions in the form of voice messages. My name is Arif. And my name is Ratna. And today we have a recording by Catherine McBride in relation to Pauline Oliveros, which was part of our broadcast at the Minimal Music Festival earlier this week. And we have a voice message from Richard John Jones. And while we're sitting here, I'm suddenly wondering, when was the last time we made a podcast? It's been a while ago. Yeah, it was snowing when we were recording the last one. And today it's clearly spring outside. So something happened. And I'm wondering why it took us so long. We're waiting for a few voice messages hmm. uh, that are very promising. But in the meanwhile, we wanted to put out a call. So if you're interested in contributing to this podcast and you would like to send a voice message between one and five minutes, you're welcome to send us an idea to info at yayayanenene.com. And it can be very short. So we're looking forward to receiving your mail. And we will reply fast, we promise. But we have a voice message for today. Yeah, we do have a voice message. It's by Richard John Jones. He's based in Amsterdam, uh, did study at Sandberg Institute. Richard's work uh, deals with community and minor histories. Um, but I think you'll also get a pretty good idea of what his work is by this voice message. I think it's nice to say that he was also part of Auto Italia Southeast. It's an artist-run space in London. And he was programming there together with Kate Cooper, who is also based in Amsterdam right now. Their programming focused on archival feminist film and self-publishing and practices between art and political activism. So if you're uh, interested in that, I recommend going to their website, also visiting their space because it's still up and running. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, should we listen to his voice message? Yeah, I'm very curious. You told me uh, already something about it, but I haven't listened yet. So let's do it. Hello, this is probably, I warn you in advance, this is probably going to be a little bit heavy. Um, <laughs> I like to indulge feelings of melancholy, um, I admit that. Um, and I'm, uh, yeah, I'm of the opinion that, uh, you know, artist talks or panel discussions, if, if nobody cries, it's not really a very good event. <laughs> so, um, no, that's not true, but I do... Uh, uh, I do think the most the most memorable moments that I've had is when people um, uh, discuss things which are very personal to them. Um, I think there's a beautiful opportunity to connect over those things. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, grieving a little bit for the loss of Barbara Hammer. If you didn't know Barbara Hammer, she's a kind of... Uh, iconic filmmaker, lesbian filmmaker, 
um, and she has produced many, 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 many films. Um, she is an incredibly inspiring person. She, she was an, a, a force uh, of openness, of joy, of playfulness. Um, and she was a huge inspiration to me. And, and I was privileged enough to, to do um, some public events with Barbara, to, to spend time with Barbara and to, to have conversation, to uh, talk about work and life and everything in between. And I'm so, so grateful for that opportunity. Um, Barbara is inspiringly generous. I mean, even in terms of the... Uh, messages that she was sending and, and that she sent to me also like um, you know almost a year ago um, saying that she was in palliative care for um, cancer um, and even turning this into her work and uh, delivering this public lecture on the art of dying um, it's just uh, I find it so inspiring and, and so incredibly generous in her death in, in that way was not a surprise. It was something which she took as a lot. She was strong enough, even in those moments, to take not only the people that she knew, but the public with her on that journey. And, and that was beautiful to me. And um, yeah, so I, 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 this message, is it's not a memorial, to, I think. Um, you know, Barbara was so incredibly positive. She was so um, filled with with love and with joy and pleasure. Um, and I, I think also that's why it was very inspiring to me because I have to also acknowledge that I am not like that either. I'm not drawn to to experience life in that way, and and I am drawn to to enjoy melancholy and futility and sadness. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm aware also that my problems are, are small and relative, but I'm using this voicemail as an opportunity to send a message into the void. Um, I'm sitting on my own in a room talking into my phone about my feelings. So, um, yeah, this is in any case a form of therapy. So um, I wanted to read a poem um, by John Giorgio, which moves me beyond words. It really touches me. And, and I warn you now that I can't read it without crying. And I think I'm reading it because I want to cry. Um, and the reason I love this poem is that it feels like a kind of undefined entity in my head is suddenly given a voice. And it's suddenly speaking, and it's speaking to me. And it's my voice, in a way. And there were really beautiful videos of John Giorgio performing this poem online, and, and that's originally how I discovered it. Um, and I really recommend that you go and watch that, um, because it's going to be better than the job that I do. But even when I was sitting there and watching him perform those poems, it feels like the voice comes from somewhere inside me, in my brain. Um, and I think that's why it touches me so much, and it's also the beauty, I think, of poetry in that way. 
Uh, I believe in hope, and I also don't. I believe in the power of transformation, and I also don't. I am passionate, and I am ambivalent. I am bursting with love, but I'm struck with the feeling of alienation. And I am miserable, but I am in a state of bliss. And I wanted to speak this poem into the void. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any more fabulous. And as bad as it is, it does not get any better. Stuck in a traffic jam and the scenery is beautiful, irritating gusts of boredom and the radio is playing. If you don't like my oceans, don't swim in my seas. You can't hurt me because storms can't hurt the sky. Sugar skulls and long necklaces of rotting human skulls of police officers, lawyers and judges. The triumph over abuse and injustice Fat chance, ring the alarm, I could not save you, you are addicted to anger and complaining. When you have hepatitis, everything looks yellow. My anger ate the goose that laid the golden eggs, thick bacon and a little something sweet. And a most surprising change is being the god of your enemy, the eagles fly below us. The illusion that makes life bearable, the illusion that makes life bearable, the illusion that makes life bearable, when you lose the illusion that makes life bearable, when you lose the illusion that makes life bearable, when you've lost whatever it is you believed or invented were imprinted or scarred by unthinkable loss. Deluded inside delusion, inside delusion, inside delusion, everything is delusion, including wisdom. And then there are the illusions that make life bearable, the illusions that make life bearable, the illusions that make life bearable, abiding in the continual flow, I'm here to do whatever is your pleasure, empty words, gone without a trace. All I had to do was get through it, all I had to do was get through it. All I had to do was get through it. I almost got through it. You can't win, you can't break even, and you can't even quit the game. 
and happily very soon I will remember nothing. The sand is snow. You will find your true love in the end. You will find your true love in the end. You will find your true love in the end. When you die, you will find your true love in your mind. When you die, you will find your true mind in the deepest night is the brightest light. Clear, unlocatable, emptiness, awareness. That was Richard John Jones. Thank you, Richard, for sending this. I think it was a very generous voice message. Um, we'll put some of the references in the podcast notes. So have a look. And then, Radna, what are we going to, to do next? Yeah, we're going to listen to um, a recording by Catherine McBride. I think actually there is a relation also with the voice message that we just listened to. Um, and while I was listening to uh, Richard John Jones, I was also thinking that there was definitely generosity in, in like sharing this with us, um, but also that he mentions other people that some of you know listeners or maybe we already know, but some names are also not familiar to me or not so familiar yet. Like I've seen a video once by um, John Giorno, but now listening to this, I'm remembered to maybe look more into his work. And that's something that I really like, that there's different ways to, yeah, learning about histories or about art or about different generations of people who came before us or before artists that we know today. Yeah, I think it's such a fine line sometimes. How do you share something in a way that invites people to learn more about it? And yeah, how, how do you do that? Because sometimes people mention references in a way that seem to be more like about showing knowledge. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or sometimes people can also feel intimidated when they hear all kinds of names or references they don't know. And I think we also do that sometimes. We mention sometimes names as you know, names as they are. Um, but luckily we have Google <laughs> or any other search engine, maybe better to use another one, um, which I do often, you know, when I speak to people, uh, I often look up because I don't know everything, uh, not at all even. Um, yeah, why I'm getting into this a bit is because the, the next part of the broadcast is also relating to that a little bit. Um, we have been broadcasting yesterday and the day before from the Minimal Music Festival in Amsterdam in the Musikgebouw. And one of the, I mean, at the Minimal Music Festival, there's quite some um, younger artists and composers, but it's also looking back at the, yeah, the tradition of Minimal Music a bit um, with pieces by um, Steve Reich, for example, Terry Riley is also playing on Sunday. But there's also a piece by Pauline Oliveros that will be played tonight, actually. I'm looking into the program and um, thinking of Pauline Oliveros, who uh, passed away a few years ago. I was also thinking of artists that we know that um, yeah, are inspired or influenced by the work that she did. Um, she's known for the concept of deep listening. 
Um, she, uh, Pauline Oliveres was a composer and a accordionist and deep listening. I'd, I'd like to use a quote maybe of her to give some more context. Um, she said, deep listening is listening in every possible way to everything possible to hear no matter what you are doing. Such intense listening includes the sounds of daily life, of nature or one's own thoughts as well as musical sounds. Deep listening represents a heightened state of awareness and connects to all that there is. Um, so when thinking about that and her legacy and artists who are influenced by her somehow, I thought of Catherine McBride. And she's an artist whose work explores um, different forms of hospitality. Um, she thinks about how listening and attentiveness can happen in conflicted spaces and times. And she's researching feminist solidarity and queer care. And she's also one of the people behind uh, Tender Center, which is a queer community center that started recently in Rotterdam, where I haven't been yet, but I follow the program from a distance. And currently, Catherine um, is not in the Netherlands, but she's at an art residency, uh, Capacete in Rio de Janeiro. So I contacted her because I thought maybe she could you know, speak about Pauline Oliveros, but then she mentioned, I'm not there, maybe I can record something. And that was very nice, because I've met Catherine before, but I've never heard her recorded voice. I only met her in person. So for me, it was also interesting. It's always nice that you see a file arriving and then opening it and wondering what will be there. It's funny that you mentioned this, because when I spoke to Richard for the first time, he had heard our podcast or at least our radio shows but he said like oh i didn't connect the voice to the person yeah those can be quite different sometimes right indeed yeah well catherine has quite a soft voice but you will hear that in the in the recording but i think it comes through very kind of crisp and clear in the recording as well i'm in brazil which is why this is a recording a white body in a warm place trying to listen in samba schools, the foundation of the music is called the coração. Coração means heart. It holds a steady double beat that's intimately related to the in out double beat of the human heart. The body of the music and dance connecting Afro-Brazilians to bodies of ancestral peoples across time and space. The beat transported across the country through feminist community organising. The beat appropriated for whiteness and reclaimed and ongoing struggles. Pauline Oliveros based some compositions on the heart rates of the performers. The hearts start to beat in time, in rhythm, the music holding everyone together so that they feel into the fact that they're part of the same thing. I saw her twice, one time for a talk and a performance, another for a deep listening workshop. The workshop was gentle. It changed how I hear the sound in my dreams. I own stirred everything everyone said into the soup with a circular gesture. And this, along with the practice of listening for when a chime began and ended sounding, reminded me of the remnants of the 1970s social practices that hung on in my 1980s multicultural primary school. It made me think of the women who kept witchy ideas alive when they weren't cool like they are at the moment. 
I remember being struck by several things in the talk. Pauline used PowerPoint in a very sweet way, using pattern borders to hold the text, and she felt so North American, in the way of a certain generation of older white women who have been engaged in various forms of action their whole lives and currently go to protests in wheelchairs. People were sitting in the stairs and I think she encouraged more to come in and no one told her off for that, the privilege of age and celebrity. She used at least half of the time she was given to tell the audience about the works of a younger generation of women composers, a direct way of doing feminism. There was discussion and some people had very urgent questions about how to fight with the various institutions they were in. Her replies were all simple and non-institutional, restating her often told message that if you can't find a space or a group or a community for what you're doing, then make one. Two people's already a community. I think the questioners might have wanted more detail, but this was her thing as I understood it. Everything is already there. Work with the things you care about. Be attentive to what you don't know or understand. Approach the world with curiosity. Be generous. Understand your entanglement in the universe. Give your energy. Spend more time listening. Grow. And the world grows. There's a big conversation about privilege and access and acceptable forms of dissent to be had alongside this. But for now I'm staying with the simple message because I think that's how I understand her work or at least how I understand it through my own. Come back to the most basic things every day. Make a politics out of doing simple things differently in ways that reveal and question the underlying ideologies of the structures of everyday reality and work to change them. Share this. Find others who are questioning. Work with them. Build feminist networks where you do stuff differently. These will be different today than in Pauline's time, so they'll need to work with the big conversation about privilege and access and acceptable forms of dissent to be political. They'll need to understand their limits and be in solidarity and cooperation with other networks practicing different feminisms. They'll need those listening practices because the work will never be completed. She got out her accordion and she played. I understood her performance as a kind of breathing in and out of the room. The sound waves breathing through everything. Life breathing beautifully. Being together in a very present feeling moment that through the vibrations is also among past and future time. Alexis Pauline Gums writes very beautifully about and organises around breathing as a practice of black revolution, spirituality, being free, being. She says, what do you believe in that keeps you breathing despite blatant violence and disrespect? What do you believe in more than the evidence of injustice? I believe in the words and actions of black women and queers across space and time. That quote is from an essay she wrote from your inquiry called That Transformative Dark Thing. I recommend you read it. In workshops, I often find myself telling people about how when we breathe, we're connecting the sympathetic, parasympathetic and enteric parts of the nervous systems. 
connecting processes they're aware of with processes that happen outside of their consciousness. Breathing. Being. Listening. <laughs> 